So the title tonight is an invitation to us, accept the gift, give your heart. Uh, Those words are from the prayer book. Uh, We've been saying them every day in Advent, this wonderful season when we think again of this gift. And I'm going to invite us tonight to a new view of things. It's very easy to sing the words without really wondering and reflecting on what they say. This night, fact, Jesus is the Son of God from Scripture. This night, fact, Jesus is a world changer. Historians will agree. This night, fact, Jesus, our Savior, our faith. This night, fact, Jesus, the Son of God, born a tiny baby. This night, fact, when heaven bridges to earth. So I pray that tonight, in the next few minutes, we may open our eyes, ask God to open our eyes to look, how do we see Jesus differently? So, some of you will know I've been on sabbatical from All Saints Western for the last four months. With great joy, I'm back, working with Mark. Um, I've got a background in medicine, I've been a doctor in A&E, and a palliative care hospice until last year when I started a new job, working at the university. I'm the chaplain there, and I'm working alongside many, many students and staff, but young people particularly, who are exploring faith. Now, they are a very interesting bunch of people. They're very bright. They're all scientists and mathematicians and that sort of thing. But there's one interesting fact. Um, I decided that I would need to wander around because students don't naturally come to the chaplaincy. It's a high cringe building. See, the only way to be seen is to go out and about. So I wear this. Uh, They know what this means. They know my name. They know what this means. And I wander around and I've seen something that, if you imagine this is a mobile phone, students at Bath University spend their whole time walking like this very quickly. Like this. You know, I walk around the campus trying to catch their eye, but they're looking down all the time. They're mathematicians, so occasionally they will look up and catch an eye contact, but only for a moment, because their mind is full of maths and science and other things. So it's quite a challenge to me. And what I try and do, quite seriously, what I try and do is to walk around the campus more slowly. I make it a rule never to be on my phone. And I try and catch people's eyes. I don't, I don't impose a beautific smile of chaplain. Hello, and I'm the chaplain. I don't do that. Don't worry. But it is actually quite good fun to try and catch their eyes. And more are now catching mine. And it's very interesting because there's a move to try and get the students to look up and see and look around and see each other. And that's my first model of coming to new faith. I'm passionate about this. It happened to me in the rectory in 1986. Somebody helped me to see things differently. And I saw Jesus differently and made that decision. So I believe for many people there's there's a question of looking up and seeing. I think for others, there are many people I meet who are stuck looking backwards I'm going to walk this way now, otherwise the choir will go to sleep. But the people who are stuck looking backwards are the people who walk around like this all the time. Have you seen them? And they're trying to move on, but actually 
their gaze is stuck looking backwards at something as if their gaze is trapped by stuff. And very often when I talk to them, they're depressed perhaps, they may be frightened, they may be fraught, they may be unforgiving, they may have something in their mind that they can't let go of. They're stuck. And for those people, the prayer is that they turn and look ahead, not backwards. And that is possible to do with God's help. God can release us from the past so that we can look ahead to a new freedom, another way of making a faith step. The third way is through a reawakening of faith. I'm committed to mission in this country, and there are some words that are beautiful but rather overused, I think. So revival, great, but rather high cringe now. Renewal, overused. The word reawakening I think is a prophetic word for our time because it reminds us that most of us, certainly everybody here, will have had a deposit of faith made at some point in our lives. And it needs to be reawakened. For my work in medicine, I believe there are very few atheists when the chips are down. It's very interesting. So many patients in the hospice would say, I'm not religious. I say, I'm not talking about church on Sunday, I'm talking about God and all that stuff, or some phrase like that. And very often patients would say, oh, now hang on a minute, now I do believe in something about that. I want to see mum again. They're talking about their faith. An army padre said to me a month ago, he said, Nigel, I agree with you because in my line of work, there are no atheists on the battlefield. He meant that absolutely seriously from his time in Afghanistan and Iraq. He meant that seriously, and I respected him for it. So reawakening of faith, I think, happens when somebody rediscovers or somebody looks in faith at a new way. Another way of looking at this is when somebody looks through their heart and not through their head. Many people can know about God, this stuff up here, but actually the the moment of faith is when it's your heart or your soul that says, I want that, I believe in Jesus, I want the hope that he gives. A heart look, if you like, not a head look. Zoe is a colleague of mine, she works uh, as a PA, and she was prompted to come and see me and ask for prayer. A few months ago now, her father was very unwell, and we prayed, and she felt some relief, and in fact, he recovered. But after that, we kept on talking, and I suggested to her that the prompt for her to go and ask for prayer for her father was actually God calling her. God saying, now hang on, call me, I can help. I said to her, I believe that Jesus was knocking on the door of her life. Let's pause and think of the Christmas story that is so familiar. And I turn to Luke. I love Luke's Gospel. As you know, there are four Gospels. Luke, I love because he was a physician, you see. He was a physician, so I believe he went around gathering clinical evidence. He was a doctor. Evidence-based faith and all that stuff. And he says at the start of his Gospel, he says, I have looked at these things, my dear Theophilus, a friend of his, that I might give you an ordered account. The first two chapters of Luke is a great read. But it is Luke that tells us of Gabriel meeting Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and that miracle. 
Gabriel says to Zechariah, your baby will be full of the Holy Spirit even before birth. It's Luke that tells of Gabriel going to see Mary. The virgin birth? Of course. We believe as Christians, don't we, that the Son of God was brought back from the dead by God. And therefore, with God, anything is possible. Jesus is now alive with God in heaven, speaking for us. That's the fundamental miracle of our faith. So, of course, the virgin birth is possible. It's Luke who tells of Mary. With the Son of God only a few cells old, we are told by Luke that Mary, when she'd seen Gabriel, went to see Elizabeth, her cousin, as if to find out that miracle. And she saw Elizabeth now six months pregnant and stayed with her three months, but then left before John the Baptist was born. Therefore... When Mary went to see Elizabeth, the Son of God was only a few cells old, maybe 32 cells or 64 cells. Isn't that an extraordinary thought? It's Luke who tells us that when Mary meets Elizabeth and greets her, John the Baptist, we know already full of the Holy Spirit, stirs in Elizabeth's womb. It's Luke who tells us these things. It's Luke who tells us of the birth of Jesus. It's Luke who tells us of the angel's joy. The angel's so overjoyed that the God-saving plan was now in place. That I imagine them almost toppling out of heaven to tell down, come down and tell the shepherds. It's beautiful. Poor old shepherds snoozing on the hillside. They probably weren't snoozing. They're suddenly awoken by this heavenly choir who could not help but glorify God. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Say the angels, Jesus is born. Jesus is born safely. The world is saved. That's what they were saying. And of course, the shepherds, those great missionaries, said, hang on, let's go and see. And we heard that. Let's go and see. We've sung that tonight. Let's go and see this baby. And they do go and see, and they do go away, and they tell others about So, what is it all about? Let us, in the next few minutes, go and see. Let us look up, look ahead. As we've already prayed tonight, if there are things that are holding us back, let's try and take our gaze away and look ahead to the gospel. Let's find. Let's even make a step of faith tonight. So John's Gospel, this amazing passage that we had read. John's Gospel, as you will know, is the more developed of the four Gospels, written a bit later. This profound understanding that Jesus was of the substance of God even before the world began. John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And that Jesus author of life, giver of life, eternal life, gives that to all who believe in him. We heard tonight in John's Gospel that Jesus was not recognized when he came to earth. He was not known. But to all who did see him, we are told, he gave the right to become children of God. And those gifts that Jesus gives to us is life, grace, hope, 
this extraordinary fact that we can be forgiven we pray that tonight of everything nothing is beyond Jesus' reach the gift we're offered Zoe I told you about and I then read this booklet I've got copies to give to I'd love to give you one tonight Zoe and I read this booklet over a few weeks she was great she said Nigel I don't like reading very much she was a PA but it just so happened that for her she found faith much more easier to understand by talking about it and so we went through it slowly and this is a booklet simply that gives the evidence why Jesus but I realised that as we were looking at it in one of the cafes on the campus in Cleverton Down, the secular institution in which I'm chaplain. But as we read it together, as we looked at it, she was looking at it with her heart, not her head. She used her head, but she was looking at the story of the gospel with her heart. And we talked, I explained. At the end of this little booklet, there is a moment where the writer says, if you would like to, to believe, if you would like to accept this, then here's a prayer that you can say. And so I read to that point. I don't think I was actually engaging in eye contact at that moment because this had to be a moment for Zoe. No pressure. And Zoe was looking at the story with her heart and simply said, yes, of course. It was almost as if she suddenly saw it was obvious. And so she and I prayed the prayer together and she committed her life to Jesus Christ last week. And so tonight, in the peace and quiet of this time, in the intimacy, this gift that Jesus has given us of communion together, in the songs we already sung, amazing words, traditional words that tell us so much. But surely tonight is a time to pause in all the hurly-burly, to look afresh, look up, look ahead, to look with heart eyes. Maybe earlier when Mark invited us to pause for a moment, maybe we became aware of something that's just stuffed, stuck there. We're very good, aren't we, as human beings, of being, making ourselves busy so we can forget things. But sometimes those things suddenly pop up. Maybe we need just to look at this with heart eyes and commit ourselves. I'm certain, as many of us here are, of the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm certain that Jesus has come to bring life. So, in conclusion, three things. I'd love to give you a copy of this as you go out. It's not a high cringe question. I'll be at the back. It's a great little booklet. It's a great little booklet. You'll also hear details about an Alpha course. You'll have heard about the Alpha course. The Alpha course is an extraordinary way of working together with other people to understand 
this life-changing, literally life-changing decision that we can make. And finally, if you will, I'm going to read this prayer. This is the prayer that I said myself in 1986. I've been through some tough times since, very tough, but have never once regretted that heart look that somebody helped me to make. And so I'm going to say this prayer. I said it in 86. I've said it quite often since. And invite you to say it with me if you would like to. We're going to sing a beautiful carol following this. The last verse of which says that we can we offer our heart. So let me now pause for a second. As we pause now in the presence of Jesus Christ living. In the presence of the Holy Spirit from God hovering over this place. So here is this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. And I ask for your forgiveness and help. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong and ask for your help in that and understanding. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and I could be set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now ask for and receive that gift. Thank you for your promise of life, grace and truth. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.